Next station is Metropolis. 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 <laughs> Welcome to Metropolis, a podcast series presented by the student from the Urban Master at the Versailles School of Architecture. In each station, a guest will tell us about his vision of the city, its conception, its density, its future, and more. Hello. Hello. And thanks to be here for this interview. Can you present yourself? Yes. Well, uh, my name is uh, Marco Maretto. Um, I am professor in the University of Parma and the University of Rome, uh, professor of architecture and urban design. I deal basically with uh, urban design, sustainability, and uh, urban morphology. To start, our main subject will be on urban planning. Can you explain what is for you urban planning? It's a good question, above all for the what is what is happening today in the in the city and for the pandemic and so on. I think that the main the main goal of the uh, urban planners an urban designer today should be to, um, let's say, to design the uh, dynamic urban structures. We can just uh, think to establish forms and structures able to assist, able to help the uh, developing of urban processes. We can work around basic concepts, of course. There are many. We uh, could be lovability, sustainability, resilience, of course, density, that I think is a very important context because uh, when I, I say density, I think to the density of living because the city is a very complex organism. The city is an organism made by its inhabitants. Then the concept of density, I think, is very important above all uh, today. We had to give the line and the structure on which things, citizen, li different lives can happen, can interrelate, can relate each other. In your early answer, you talk a bit about the pandemic. Is the COVID change your way you're looking to see? Yes, well, I think COVID uh, is for sure transforming the, our, our uh, cities and actually is going to transform our cities. But um, in a different way. I mean, uh, if you see nowadays, city, if you go out, you, know, you go outside, you walk on the road, you face with very, let's say, very uh, sad cities because actually uh, the purest sense of a city is lacking. That is to be lived by people. That is to be um, used by people. But at the same time, I think that pandemic city. Uh, it can be intended as sort of a suspended city. I mean, cities are living this period a sort of in a sort of a limbo of great potential. Uh, pandemic, in fact, pushed uh, awareness, concept, uh, potentials, and attitudes that maybe normally would take more than 50 years to be to be developed. And all of this is thanks, of course, to the, the smart living. I mean, all the smart living have been pushed by pandemic, but it is now effectively transforming our life and then, of course, transforming our, uh, our cities. Uh, just think to the strong reduction of the uh, everyday movement radius. It is already something so strong to, to think to a really new kind of city uh, going to come. Uh, of course, we are facing the final, the, 
definitive uh, sunset of the modern city. Nothing of what used to be at the ground of the modern city is still alive. Think about this. The way we're going to see and to think of our city is not going to be any more for parts, but is going to be seen uh, through what I will say and I will call priorities, you know, towards a simultaneity of the experience of the urban living. I heard about you by your research on urban morphology. Can you explain what does that mean? Yes. Um, well, some someone could say that uh, urban morphology is the study of the logical form of cities. Uh, some other could say that morphology, urban morphology is the design of the logical form of cities. Because if, you, if we think to the, uh, the Greek concept logos, Uh, you know, it is made to as the talk around the concept, but it is also intended as the concept itself when it is experienced. So at the end of the day, our morphology can be considered as the study of the logical form of cities, but even it can be seen as the form of cities in itself. So um, we might say that we have on one side, we have the city, as the best expression of, uh, uh, of man as a civic entity. And on the other side, we have the cities on the plural um, as the uh, phenomenic ex expression of the relation between man and context. That is why, for instance, cities like London and Paris or uh, London and Beijing are two completely different cities, a very polycentric, the first one, and absolutely monocentric, the second one. But at the end of the day, they are both cities. And being both cities, sorry, city, they belong to the world, to the first concept, con concept, we can read them from a scientific point of view. In fact, we can make the historiography of cities, we can have make the historiography of London, we can make the historiography of Paris, we can make the historiography of Rome and so on. Uh, our morphology, we can say, reads the city in its uh, structural and uh, then morphological elements, uh, intended as the um, place of intersection among different fabrics that constitute the city. So we could say that if the role of the urban designer is to design those morphological structures, the role of urban morphology is of course to read those structures, just to come back to the, to the first question. I would like to talk about your project in Helsinki. It's near water, even sometimes on water. So I would like to know how do you mix urban planning and landscaping? Yes. I would start with the, um, a consideration made some many years ago by an American landscaper uh, whose name was uh, J.B. Jackson. And he used to say that city and countryside are parts of the same landscape. I basically agree with him because the topic at the end of the day, and that was at the base even from the project for Helsinki, but it had been the same for Barcelona and or Krakow and so on. The topic is the... Um, anthropic transformation of the territory by man. All these processes of transformation, these process of anthropization of the territory, uh, let the territory readable and understandable by man, using the word of uh, Martin Heidegger. So if on the one side we had the territory as the, let's say the, the whole thing, you know, the sum of all the data that we can scientifically uh, analyze. On the other side, we had the landscape 
as the um, semantic image of the territory. The landscape represents the physical and the live, live dimension of the territory. That means that urban design, landscape, and of course, sustainability can be considered as sides of the same coin. Actually, they, in my opinion, they belong to the same processes. In all our projects, and in, in, in the project of Helsinki as well, of course, then the public space design, uh, where the public space we, is intended as the um, preferable uh, place for reading, living, and designing the city, and the landscape design are absolutely uh, belong absolutely to the same design step. So we start since uh, the beginning thinking to the whole area as a, a big ground design. When we, we face with a, with a topic, we, we think that first of all, we have to settle, to, we have to settle the, 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 the new environment. We have to do to design and to sign the, uh, the ground because the ground design is what keeps all those things, those things uh, together. In your introduction, you talked about resilience. Can you explain what is the difference between resilience and sustainability? Oh, that's a very good question. I would say that uh, resilience, we all know, is something that in somehow resists uh, change or better, change very slowly. Uh, respect to other kind of uh, other kind of elements, and it is very important because resilience is at the base of any kind of idea of sustainability. Sustainability is, is not is, is nothing uh, not necessarily related to um, uh, performing uh, uh, data or uh, numbers or uh, very very. Um, uh, how to say, uh, high-tech processes. Sustainability, first of all, and above all for architects and urban designers, is something passive, is something dealing with the way we design, with the way we settle on the territory. It is very, very important. Then, of course, all the research in, in, the, in, the, world, in, in the world of the, the sustainability and the high-tech sustainability, it is very important, but it's something around the main core of, of our topic of the main core of the uh, urban design in my opinion and i work in sustainable urban design <laughs> but it is a very important uh, even when when i work with my colleagues uh, very there is a, i want to remember actually barbara gary because she's a very important environmental expert in the university of parma we work together since many years but since the beginning we were very clear on this on this topic the project of the city is something deal with architecture and architecture deal with sustainability and resilience. But it, that is that has to be very, very important. No, by chance, at the beginning, we were talking about London squares. Their value of res resilience, but it is very strong. You know, the city of London has been changing so many times. The society changed completely. But at the end of the day, they are still maybe the, they still represent the pure identity of the London capital. So when you make a sustainable project, you aim for the resilience, but how can you make the resilience work? Well, first of all, we have to be very clear. Uh, city and sustainable city, is it is not a zero emission setting machine. Sustainable city 
or echo cds we can use even different names that does not matter is a cd first of all possibly compact that means is a cd uh, able to optimize its own spaces is probably a polycentric cities in a way that is uh, well balanced in its uh, polarities also because the contemporary city have to be polycentric because it, it leaves of different uh, souls different communities so it is to be a polycentric city uh, it is a city of course then characterized by strong uh, functional economical uh, social uh, mixité and that is why it's on different kind of fabrics and this mixité had to be somehow uh, confirmed or um, read in its urban fabric uh, it is a city, uh, uh, let's say, self-sufficient from an energetic point of view, but above all, it is a city able to uh, recover and recycle its own uh, consumptions and above all, water, that is a very important point. Uh, um, it is a city from a trans transportation point of view uh, that for sure encourage uh, cycle and pedestrian connections for the short distances, uh, and encourage public transport transport for the medium and long distances. It is not necessarily a car-free city, not at the moment. Maybe it will be probably, uh, the sustainable city will be probably a, a car-free city. At the moment, to be, in my opinion, sustainable and to, to activate a, a resilience value, a resilience urban value, we don't need necessarily to be really car-free for sure. For sure, it is a city in which the use of the car is not um, fundamental. So we're going to use the car just when we really need it. That's it. Uh, it is a city that establishes a good relationship, a good balanced relationship between um, the environment and, the, and its territory. And then is a city based, that is why it is sustainable, and this is why it, is, it can be uh, resilient. Uh, it is a city based on a strong civil, strong civic uh, re renewal. That actually, it is what we are experiencing right now, thanks or uh, <laughs> because of the, uh, the, the the pandemic. Because um, sustain a sustainable city means a city that um, organizes and, and sees a different way of different ways of using resources, of course. But it is also a city um, that. Set in a different way within its territory, so establish different relationship with its territory, and above all, is a city that see a different kind of social um, forms of, of of aggregation. That is very very important. So the society has to change a little bit in order to create to to live and to create because the city is made by citizens, made by people, a sustainable, resilient uh, city. Um, in this sense, the methodology we work on since many years uh, sees the urban morphology as a, a tool for the structural morphological reading of the city, of course, as said already. But um, above all, urban morphology is, uh, we, we discover, it is a very useful tool able to work as, uh, uh, let's say, as a plug-in 
of all the different disciplines involved in urban design. The city is a complex organ, so we need different approaches, we need different contributions from many different kinds of disciplines, and that is true. But what we saw is that urban morphology, it can be the table on which all the different elements of the puzzle can be put together and work together. Above all, of course, the uh, uh, environmental uh, aspects, environmental elements, right? Because urban morphology is, in, is intended like something not informal and un, uh, not storiographical. So it's really something structural, you know, is a, a plate on which we can organize uh, different contributions. What is very important then is that the basic environmental choices are made at the urban scale, where all the elements, all the natural elements, the sun, the wind, the lights, and so on, are still tools of the urban project, tools of the urban design. That is very, very important because at the urban scale, all the natural, all the environmental elements can be analyzed, so can be known and can be used as um, design tools for the project of the city. It just at the urban scale, the, all these things are still uh, effective and uh, they, can, they can work together. And it, it is also good because at the end of the day, we can leave the architectural scale uh, playing, playing its own role. Urban morphology is the way you see the city and the way you direct your project. How can you set rules? Is there any kind of parametric that take in consider or it's another thing? Before of the, all this, uh, we had to think about two, two very important elements. All the projects of the of urban fabrics and so sustainable urban fabrics is a matter of uh, priorities. The concept of priorities for us is very, very important. Uh, when, we wake, when we wake up in the morning and we decide to have breakfast before shower or shower before breakfast, we are attributing priorities. So all our lives are organized following priorities. And when all these priorities replace each other and are organized one with the other, we create hierarchical system. These hierarchical system are what uh, influence and guide our lives. And then it is what, at the end of the day, what influence and guide the formation and transformation of the, uh, of the city. Somehow these uh, hierarchical structures uh, are what um, can be considered as the, um, the loom of those streets, which one intervene, one with each other, create the urban fabrics. To analyze these hierarchies then, on a morphological base, of course, we normally, we start using actually since some years, but it's a very new research ongoing, the uh, pedestrian flows mapping. Uh, I think it is very important because pedestrian flows are, represent the dynamic, the needed dynamic elements when we make an, a morphological analysis, but even when we make an environmental analysis, because at the microclimate level, the way you use uh, an open square. Recently, we are making a research in Venice, taking different um, parts of the um, uh, urban fabric in Venice, uh, like um, San Polo, San, uh, many, many others. And it is very interesting because the way to map how the flows of people uh, use these open squares tell us many, many informations. And uh, above all, they tell us how to, um, to transform and to work on these open squares in order to open spaces, in order to let them 
perfect from a comfort uh, outdoor comfort point of view, but even very good from an indoor comfort point of view. So um, coming back, um, the uh, pedestrian flows mapping is very uh, important from the morphological reading of uh, the urban process. But at the end of the day, we have to remind that they, are, they, um, they work just in a medium step of the design process. They are not the solution. They are something contributing to somehow to the, uh, to the solution. It is very important because we have to remind that at the end of the day, right now, the, in which um, this moment, when, in this very important uh, historical moment in which technology is so powerful that at the end of the day, the highest level technology is our mind. So never forget that our mind is the first you know, our criticism is the first tool to be applied to all the rest. We talked a lot about sustainability, and I would like to have your opinion on which is more sustainable, a house or an apartment? Well, I could say both, and I could say none. Because <laughs> um, at the end of the day, the topic is always the one of the um, mixité. Uh, society is plural and uh, multiple, of course. So it is not possible to give a univocal answer. For sure, the quality of the um, uh, unifamiliar living is very important. You know, the way that you are, your house is uh, opens directly on the road and uh, the fact that you have your own spaces and your own building, it is very important. But however, right, the pandemic we are living now is forcing to think to new kind of uh, typologies, a new form of uh, physical and social aggregation. So I think that we are going to uh, st a stronger mixity of functions of uh, organization or special organization and so on uh, of uh, typologies. Um, me and my research groups in some years, uh, we are working as you know on the, on the sustainable city and we are concentrating our attention during the last three years actually, on the topic of the uh, courtyard houses, even either from an um, unifamiliar point of view, but even from a collective uh, point of view, uh, either in reference to the, to the topic of the neighborhoods units, as we said, because at the end of the day, they are collective. They keep me considered as a sort of collective courtyard housing, either to the topic of the uh, land consumptions, because at the end of the day, the courtyard houses occupy completely their plot and generate very, very dense urban fabric. So it is very important. Um, but either um, facing with the topic on the, uh, of the green city, because the culture house with the small culture, there's a small open space that be, can be private or can be collective, belong to the topic, to the general theme of the uh, green city design. And above all, from an environmental point of view, what we discover is that the a uh, courtyard house is a very effective environmental tools because uh, from the morphological point of view, they belong to the ground. And so they, may, they can be orientated following the uh, elements of the urban morphology. We have been using courtyard houses even in the fringe belt of the city. We recently made a project in uh, Canosa di Puglia uh, in Italy. But on the same time, the house within this court, within this plot, this courtyard, that is the heart of the house, can be oriented 
according to the, 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 the changing of the natural elements. So the sun, the albedo value, the wind, the, the water, the nature, and so on. So it is very interesting topology on which we uh, wish we could work on. Also because probably is the, the most ancient topology of the history of the, of the urban history. So I would like to go back to transportation. You said earlier that uh, the future it will not be car-free cities. So what's going to be the transportation then? Well, uh, if we think that the um, everyday radius uh, movement is going to be smaller, uh, I think that for sure um, uh, pedestrian and cycling movements uh, are going to be very, very used in the in, in the near in the near future, in my opinion, when it, we think about sustainable city, uh, public transportation remain uh, absolutely uh, very important, and they can we can think about different kind of tramways or underground, of course. But uh, remember the uh, experience of uh, Mazda City for with this. Uh, a uh, small vehicular system underground without conductor. So you just, you know, dial the, the place where you want to go, you go inside and this, they move out, uh, they drive you to the place where you want to, you want to go. And I think that those kind of uh, systems, very high technological, can be uh, one of the future for the um, mechanical transformations. Somehow they could Mm, I, I, will, I will not say substitute the public transformation intended uh, as like we can think about them today, you know, tramways or buses or underground, but, or a tube underground, but uh, probably these kind of uh, systems could, uh, will slowly get the, the, the place of uh, uh, nowadays public transportation. And um, yes, then there is, and probably in a, not in a near future, but in a medium future, uh, cars we 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 won't have any more the, the, the cars as we experience it now. I think if there is an evolution of the way we use cars, how the streets will evolve? That's a good question because uh, yes, actually. Uh, reduction in the use of the cars uh, is going and will change radically the uh, the, 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 the modern city. Uh, if we think that the end of the, the near end of the um, phenomenon of the uh, moving from the you know from the countryside or from the from from the outside to the to the downtown in the United States, so all this pendularism phenomenon. Is going to be is going to finish. So we are, we we will have uh, cities, plenty of roads with no sense, <laughs> with no use. So I think that in many cities we will have to rethink radically the use of roads, and so this big open space will will have to be rethought completely. Uh, of course, in reality, where big roads uh, since the beginning were deeply connected with the architecture and urban fabric so with the architecture and urban design it would be easier uh, thinking to french boulevard for instance it is completely different because the the value of french boulevard is not just the road it is actually not just the path 
So when the cars go or the, or the, or the horses used to go, but is made by the houses creating this fantastic urban envelope. So I think that when and where is, uh, is, is still the city to give the identity and the role to a road, then it would be easier to transform these big open spaces, to reduce these big open spaces and transform them in a fantastic pedestrian path or, or whatever. It, it is much more difficult for those cities uh, born on a pure functional you know, uh, base. And then when the function finish, even the, all the apparatus, all this hyperstructure um, created around these functions fell down. Thanks for your time. It was my final question and the end of this interview. If you have a last word to say. Well, uh, first of all, I thank you for your interview, of course. And because he, he gave me the opportunity to, uh, every time is, an, is a good opportunity to think about things uh, a little bit more, a little bit deeper. And uh, what I think is that we are, somehow we are lucky. Sometimes we are lucky because we are um, really living a, speci a very, very special uh, moment in our, uh, in, uh, in our life as architects and as urban designer. I think that really we are making experience of a, a change so deep that it reminds me what happened when the, the first um, engine machine, you know, uh, were, were, were discovered. So we are uh, on the door or maybe we passed already the, the door of a really new kind of uh, society, a new kind of economy, and then a new kind of... Uh, way of design of analyzing and designing cities so let's see what's it going what it is going to happen <laughs>